Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. And I believe we'll start our reading somewhere there around verse number 12. But I ran across something I thought was uh, a pastor wrote this. Uh, he came up with some rules. He called it 10 rules for respect. Uh, and it, he said this is a healthy contract for communication uh, between church members and staff or whoever. It could be your family. I thought it was good, so I just thought I'd share this with you just to make you think about it. Because so many times in life, guys, we get side, sideways with people because uh, of lack of communication. The average individual, including myself, tends to do a poor job at communicating. I said the average individual. Uh, we sometimes take make assumptions and all these other kind of things uh, but uh, he gave 10 things that I, I thought bad repeating, so I'm just sharing it with him. He says, number one, if you have a problem with me, come to me privately. Oh, some of y'all, 90% of y'all, that's you guilty of sin right there, aren't you? If you have a problem with me, come to me privately. Okay? Number two, he says, if, you have a prop, if I have a problem with you, I'll come to you privately. Number three, he says, if someone has a problem with me and comes to you, send them to me. I'll do the same for you. Are y'all listening to this? Number four, he says, if someone, cons- if someone consistently will not come to me, say, let's go together. I'm sure he will see us about this. I'll do the same for you. Number five, he says, be careful. Listen to this. Be careful how you interpret me on matters that are unclear. Do not feel pressured to interpret my feelings or thoughts. It's easy to misinterpret intentions. How many of y'all out there have been guilty of trying to read other folks' minds and, and surmising your own thoughts, what they are thinking about you? He says, uh, number six, he says, um, uh, I will be careful how I interpret you. Number seven, he says, if it's confidential, don't tell. <laughs> he says, if you or anyone comes to me in confidence, I won't tell unless... The person is going to harm himself or herself. The person is going to physically harm someone else. If you come to me and tell me you get ready to go shoot your wife, I'm calling the police. I'm going to call your wife and tell her to leave. Well, that was in confidence. No, no, no. Listen, Listen to what he says. He says, I won't tell unless the person is going to harm himself or the person is going to harm someone else or a child has been physically or sexually abused. He says, I expect the same from you. All right. Confidence. Okay. Number 80 says, I don't read unsigned letters and notes. Good habit to have. People going to, if you, if you're big enough to say it, y'all be big enough to sign your name to it. Amen. Anonymous. No, who is anonymous? Give me anonymous name. Don't tell, well, they, who is they? (laughs) Marrera had a teacher that said, I think this was a teacher that said, I heard and they said a first cousin to a lie. Y'all heard that before? Quit telling what I heard and what they said. If you can't tell me, just keep it to yourself. I mean, that, that, that'll keep down a whole lot of confusion. Number nine, he says, I do not manipulate. I will not be manipulated. Do not let others manipulate you. Do not let, up, do not let others try to manipulate me through you. I will leave conviction to the Holy Spirit. Okay, he does it better anyway. Quit letting people use you to, to try to get to somebody else. Tell them to go to them one-on-one. And lastly, he says, when in doubt, just say it. The only dumb questions are those that don't get asked. How many of y'all heard that before? 
The only dumb question are those that don't get asked. We are a family here and we care about each other. So if you have a concern, pray. And then if led, speak up. If I can answer it without misrepresenting something, he says, if I can, if I can answer it without misrepresenting something or breaking it, breaking a confidence, I will. Okay, so those are, I thought that was real neat. Just some some guidelines to to keep respect in communication among those who are part of the same body of faith. Okay, so let's 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 make sure that we communicate effectively. Let's stop stop gossiping, stop throwing out at people, stop getting on social media and and saying stuff. And and the person who you really want to talk to you for whatever reason you won't be biblical. I tell you before, I expect people to be biblical. I mean, once you learn it. Well, Jesus said in Matthew, I think it's 18, chapter around verse number 15, you got an alt between you and your brother, go to him one-on-one and tell him it's far between you and him alone. Amen? Amen. And then he goes on now. All right. So y'all in 1 Corinthians 6, chapter, how many of y'all could use some work on communicating better? I know I can. My wife tells me that all the time. How many husbands can use some help in communicating with your wife? I want y'all to raise y'all hand up in here. <laughs> how many <laughs> how many wives can use some help in communicating with your husband alright 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 so we're going to learn together hey, hey, listen guys we're in this ship together and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep paddling and rowing together Amen. we want God's will to be pervasive in every area of our lives Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and I'm going to read this from the King James version of the scripture 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 uh, and let's, um, my goodness, uh, let's start at verse number nine for good measure. Verse number nine. I, I, I want to, I, I got to read this passage because I want to let the Bible speak. Now, here's what I've come to understand after 33 years of pastoring. I've come to understand that everybody that's sitting in this place does not allow the word of God to have a preeminent place in their life. The word preeminent means has first place and first authority. In other words, when I do life, when I go to make a decision, when I decide how I'm going to respond to a situation, when I decide whether or not I'm going to give or not or a move or not, I let the word of God be the preeminent source for guiding my life. Okay? If there are things that are clearly defined in Scripture, properly exegeted, and hermeneutically understand, understood for how I should do life today, then once I know that, I'm going to allow that to direct my decisioning. But everybody in church is not like that. There are a lot of people who are saved, but they have, not, they have refused to submit themselves under the rulership of Jesus Christ, their Lord. Because he, he can't be your Lord if you won't do what he says. Right? So, but I understand that. So, so with, with that being said... I'm assuming that you know the order of the house here is that we let the word of God drive our decisioning. We let the word of God drive where we're going as a ministry. Amen. Are y'all with me today? All right. So let's, let's, let's start. The, who's the writer of this text, y'all? Come on. Talk to me, Bible readers. The Apostle Paul is the writer of our scripture text this morning. And the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Now, you all that study your Bibles know that the church at Corinth uh, had some issues, particularly at the time that the Apostle Paul was writing this text. The church at Corinth was a very uh, uh, spiritually immature church, if you will. They had a, a whole lot of 
bickering, fussing and fighting going on. He said that, I think it's in the third chapter, he talked about they being spiritual babies. And there are some things that he wanted to talk to them about, but he couldn't talk to them about it because they simply could not handle it. How many of y'all know there are people in your life, family members and others who may be born again believers, but that you can only go so deep with them? Right? Their, their, their ability to understand the things of God, the deeper things of God, are, are, are limited because first and foremost, they don't spend time with God and his word. They won't connect with uh, their the small group who studies together, who learns together. And so as a result, their, their ability to understand the things of God are going to be limited because they don't give any time to the Lord. And allow the Holy Spirit to begin to teach them and allow them to be taught by others who have been endowed with the gift of teaching. Are y'all listening to me today? So Paul writes to this kind of church, a church that I will tell you because today we're dealing with uh, the, the last component of the things that we, are, we should be stewarding over. As a matter of fact, look at your outline right quick. Uh, and, and let's just hit this and I got to get into this thing right quick. Let's not get sidetracked. Now, I told you a few weeks back that there's a Greek word, okonomia, uh, from which we get our English word economy. It, it, but it literally means household management. Everybody say household management. And the principle is this. All that we are and all that we have belongs to God. Listen, to the, listen carefully. All that we are and all that we have belongs to who? God and he has temporarily, everybody say temporarily. He has temporarily entrusted it to us to oversee according to his witches. Witches. Not witches, his wishes. Okay, y'all got that? Everything that I have, everything that I own, including my body, belongs to God. Are you with me? And he has temporarily entrusted it to me to oversee according to his wishes. We are managers over God's household business. All right. Now, we said the concept of stewardship is found repeatedly throughout the scripture. And the areas of stewardship, which we already covered, is our time, our spouse, our property, our spiritual gifts, God's truth. So we should be stewards over God's truth. And lastly, our bodies. And that's where we get into this, this passage right here. The church at Corinth was what I call a fleshy or immature church. The church at Corinth was in a city where sexual immorality ran rampant. The city of Corinth, the church at Corinth, was birthed out of a culture that, that, that was engaged in sexual decadence, if you allow me to say it that way. They even had a, a temple for the goddess Aphrodite, which we get... Our word in the English word uh, aphrodisiac, you know what an aphrodisiac is? That is something that stimulates the sex drive. Can I talk to the adults in the room today? All right. So they had, they had the temple of the goddess Aphrodite, and part of that temple's worship was they had over a thousand temple prostitutes. Hear me carefully. The church of Corinth was born out of the Corinthian culture that was awash in sexual decadence. 
I would, I would surmise to you and I would argue that the United States, these United States of America has a culture that's also awash in sexual decadence. So out of that culture is birthed the church. Right? Now remember, Temple of, of the Goddess Aphrodite, they would go to the temple and part of the worship of the goddess was to engage in sex with a temple prostitute. Now I've asked this question Numerous times over the years as I've taught it, I wonder how full would this church be if it was like the temple of the goddess Aphrodite? I wonder how many people would be coming to the temple to worship. I'll just just let it resonate. I know that's an awful thought for some of y'all, but I, I, I guarantee you some churches will be full. But I got to set the stage for you to understand what Paul is dealing with with this Corinthian church, because those people who were a part of the Corinthian church were saved out of a culture that says sexual immorality is okay. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. Okay. So 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 now they came over. But but here's here's what I would tell you. Those that came out of that culture. Many of them brought some of their old way of thinking, Eric, over into the church. Similar to the day that many of you sitting here, it may not be that, but there are some old ways of thinking that you brought over into your new life. You still have some of the smell and some of the the stench of that old way of doing life. It's still kind of on you. You came out of the room in your college dorm room. You come out and you smell like something. Oh, y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. The marijuana smell was all over you. Huh? You came out of the room, but it was still on you. Some of us came out of, out, out of sin, but we still have some ways of thinking that has to be renewed and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So now, y'all understand the, the, the context here. Context is very important for understanding scripture reference. So Paul is writing to this church where there was, there was some sexual immorality that was invading the church. And, and in one chapter, we, we discovered that the church knew about it. It was public and, and they didn't say anything about it. So Paul had to deal with this church. And I, I would tell you that if you go and read the second chapter, second letter, you find that the Corinthian church did get their act together as it relates to dealing with some of those things that were happening. So let's, let's go. All right. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Keep reading. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Let's go. And such were, and such were, and such were some of you. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of what? Of any. Keep reading. It says this. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both. 
but God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Can we keep reading? Let's go. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. Let's keep going. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For, for two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is what? One spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. 19 and 20 says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are what? Oh, God, which are God's. Now, now, here we see uh, uh, God's case against indulgence of the human body. God's case here against indulgence of the human body. What does the word indulgence mean? I'm, I'm, I'll define it for you. It, it's, it's, indulgence means the behavior or attitude of people who allow themselves to do what they want or who allow other people to do what they want. That's called I'm indulging myself. It also means the act of doing something that you enjoy, but that is usually thought of as wrong or unhealthy. Indulgence, the act of doing something that you enjoy, but that is usually thought of as wrong or what? Unhealthy. Lastly, indulgence means something that is done or enjoyed as a special pleasure, as a special pleasure. One of the questions uh, uh, Norris and Tanya McGill did our uh, did one of the sessions at our marriage retreat uh, on this past uh, uh, July, and they they had us to do an assignment. Uh, we had to write, we had to fill in the blank, and um, and write uh, it's, it's basically a love letter to our spouse. And it had some questions on there about uh, I, where do you see us in so many years. Uh, what do you see us at this time next year? It says, uh, one thing I like about you, one physical attribute I like about you is you have to fill in the blank. And um, one, one question on that was, when, when we make love, I like when you blank. I brought Marira's eyes letter here today, and I'm getting ready to read it to you right quick. No, I'm not going to do that. Somebody else, read it, Pastor, read it, Pastor. Carlos and Gia, if, if I told y'all we had a, a secret camera that was in the ceiling of that, of, that, uh, of that ballroom there, and it was able to scope out everything that everybody wrote on their, on their paper, some of y'all were like. <laughs> but we asked those questions. But, but again, think about this for a second. You know, when it comes to uh, things of the body and of a sexual nature, understand something. These people in Corinth were indulging. And they had brought a mindset from the old way of life into the new way of life. And all of us, if we're really honest about it, if we're really, really honest about it, if we're dead level honest, it may not be in this area, but all of us have brought some old way of thinking with us because we are abide in this flesh. 
that we got to learn how to deal with. I got some Paul Adams in me. Yvonne, you got some Gertrude Martin in you. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Carl, you got, you, you got some Jesse Jones in you. And if people who know you well will, will tell you that, all of us got some family of origin ways of thinking and things that we naturally are inclined to because we grew up in a certain household. But what I'm telling you today is, is our bodies belong to God and that stuff that we brought over from the old life into the new life, we got to learn how to deal with it and bring it under subjection to the Holy Spirit's leading. Are y'all still tracking with me today? So let's begin. Let's, let's keep moving. God, let's talk about the principle, principles of Christian liberty. Look at you. Look, go back to verse number 12. Let's look at it from the NLT. Verse number 12 of, of this sixth chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12. Watch what it says. Paul is writing to the church, understanding the culture and environment. You say, I'm allowed to do anything but not everything is good for you. The KJV says not everything is expedient. Okay? Expedient. Uh, but not everything is good for you. And, and even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. All right? So make a mental notice. God has made man and his body. And he has made everything in the world, and it's all good. When God created the heavens and earth, and he looked around and said, it's good. Y'all remember that? It was all good. All right? Therefore, all things are lawful to a person. However, there are two restrictions that are clearly seen in, script, in this scripture text. Number one, the first restriction is that all things are not expedient. In other words, all things are not helpful. All things are not Worthwhile, all things are not advisable, all things are not profitable for you, right? Take for instance, it's helpful to eat fish, right? How many of y'all, y'all love fish? Okay, it's, it, nothing in the world wrong with eating fish, right? But it is unprofitable to eat so much fish that, that you enter into the sin of gluttony. It's, 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 it's okay to, to, to get you a little bit of a piece of candy or dessert, but it is unprofitable, it is un, unadvisable for you to eat nothing but cakes, pies, candy, banana pudding, peach cobbler, etc. And that's all you eat 24-7. Are y'all with me? Nothing wrong with eating peach cobbler. And you know, whenever you want to fix one, baby, I'll, I'll be more than happy to taste it for you. It's advisable to... To, 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 to be active, to keep active, to exercise, to walk, to jog, to run, lift weights, do leg lifts, whatever. Yo, swing your arms in there, do calisthenics, whatever. It's advisable to do that, but it's harmful to lay around the house and become inactive just sitting there watching TV all day long. Are y'all with me? Not, nothing wrong with watching TV, but if all you do is sit down and you are just... Uh, a, a person that doesn't move, do anything, doesn't move, doesn't exercise or anything, then ultimately that's not healthy for you. See, even as a, uh, uh, even as a, a, a senior statesman, if you're, past, if you're north of 65, you may not can't do everything that you did when you were uh, 35, but you can do something. Hello? 
Where is the rule written that once you get past 65, you got to sit in the house and watch TV all day? Where is that rule written? Where is that rule written that says that, that, that I can't do certain things because of my age? Now, I know there are limitations. You know, I started back lifting weights and I, I, I had to build back up to try to get to where I was before I stopped lifting weights. Now, I can't lift as much as I did when I was playing ball at losing a tag. But I'm, but, I'm, but I'm doing what I can at the age that I'm at. That I currently am. Because you don't end a sentence with a preposition. Can I get any English teachers in the house today? All right. All right. So where I am now, I'm going to do what I can at the level that I can do that. But, but, but it's, it's, you know, it's okay to rest, but don't be resting all the time. Right? Anyhow, man ought to work. The Bible says if a man don't work, he doesn't what? So working is something that you ought to do. Even if, you don't, even if you're at the house and you're not on your job, work. Do something. Amen? Now, doing any, again, doing any of those things in of themselves aren't necessarily uh, unlawful activities, but not all of them are good and profitable for you. Can I get a witness? The second restriction is that all things are not wise. Some things will enslave you. Can I get a witness? They don't build self-image self and they don't build self-respect. So, so those things that are, that, that are not expedient, in other words, they're not, they're not helpful, they're not worthwhile, they're not advisable, and they're things that if we indulge in, they will enslave us. Paul made a strong statement here in 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, the B part. He says, he says I must not become a slave to what? Anything. Man is supposed to control all things upon earth and to be enslaved by none of them. Are y'all with me? Not food. Oh, help me, Jesus. You know, some of us, and my wife tell me this, is, you know, sometimes we can look at people who, who are enslaved to alcohol or enslaved to drug addiction, and we can like, well, it's a shame, it's a shame. But then we got a food addiction. But my mine is not. Oh, my my addiction is not as as as, as draconian as that one over there. You know, uh, my sin is not as word bad. It's just when do we get into the state of comparing sin? Sin is sin. In the eyesight of God, sin is sin. I know there are various consequences of sin, but guys, we got to stop comparing our mess up to somebody else's mess up. All of it is messed up. Are y'all with me today? So so. So man is supposed to control all things upon earth and to be enslaved by none of them, not food, drink, drugs, substance, desire, urge, or anything else. The health of our bodies, guys, and our emotions and of our mind and our intelligence and our spirit and our destiny depends upon us controlling our bodies and not allowing our bodies to become enslaved to the things of this earth. Go to Romans, the sixth chapter. Have you ever been bound up or enslaved by anything? Can I get one person to say, Pastor, I know what you're talking about. Say, I ain't going to tell you what I'm talking about. But I know what you're talking about. Romans, the sixth chapter. Let's go there right here. Romans, chapter six. And we'll look at. Hallelujah. Let's look at. Well, I tell you what, before we before we go to Romans, chapter six, go with me, if you will, to. uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, verse number 26. So we're supposed to be stewards of our bodies. Everyone sitting up in here has a body. 
And their body belongs to God. Because he paid the ultimate price to deliver you and I from the bondage of sin. Watch what the text says here. Ready? Let's read. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Next verse, let's read. So God created human beings in his own image. Now, when he says in his own image, it means that God created us to operate like him. Are y'all with me? In his own image and in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So God created us to operate and to function like him. He's a triune God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are triune in nature as human beings. We're first spirit man who possesses a soul and we live in a body. You are first and foremost spirit. You have a soul, intellect, emotions, thinking, that type of thing. And we have a body. We are triune in nature. In the same fashion and similitude that God, who's a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Are y'all still tracking with me today? So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Next verse. Then God blessed them, and look at what he says. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and do what? Govern it. KW says subdue it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. We've been called to reign, to rule here in the earth. Are y'all still with me? Now go to Romans, the sixth chapter. Man is supposed to control all things upon the earth and, and, and to be enslaved by none of the things on earth. None of the things that, that we deal with on a day-to-day basis should we allow to enslave us. All right? Romans, the sixth chapter, look at verse number six. The health of, of, of our bodies and our emotions in uh, our mind and in our spirit and our destiny depends upon us controlling this body and not allowing it to become enslaved to the things of this earth. Look at what the text says. Paul writing here to the saints at Rome. Let's read. We know that our sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer what? I got, I, got, I got news for you. This is channel 3 news, channel 12 news, channel 6 news, whatever you want to call it, whatever you watch. I got news for you. You who are born again don't have to be bound to what you're bound to. You who are born again by nature, by virtue of accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've been free from the power of sin to enslave you. If you're enslaved or something, if you're going around saying, well, I just can't help it, Pastor. Well, you know, Pastor, it's just, you know, it, it ought not be against this thing that's so good to me right now, Pastor. Pastor, you know, why, why, why would God say don't? Listen, God would say don't do this because God knows exactly what's best for us. Are y'all with me today? You don't have to be enslaved to what you're enslaved to. Now, in this particular chapter, when we get back to Corinthians, we're going to see that because they came out of that, that, that culture of sexual indulgence, many of them were having problems keeping themselves sexually. And I would submit to you that many in the church are doing this very same thing, struggling with keeping themselves sexually. 
got two amens. And that's okay. This is truth being preached today. And this is truth that's directed to the body of Christ as a whole. We got to stop winking at sin, especially sexual sin, and saying it's okay. Because what will happen is when you become enslaved to anything, it will eventually bring you down. Kingdoms, entire kingdoms have fallen behind sex. Now, God created sex. Here's the dichotomy we're going to see here. God created sex. He created us with desire for sexuality. And so, so sex in and of itself is not a bad thing. I feel some of y'all get a little uncomfortable with me up in there. But I got to talk to you. I got I to preach to you. I want to talk to you in, in, in a loving pastoral way because too many people's lives are being messed up and pe- many people are emotionally distraught because they, f- they fail to realize that they became enslaved to something and, and allow it to drive them. And, and, and they don't even understand what true relationship is really all about anymore. We know that our, our sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Keep reading. Next verse. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Let's read on. It says what? And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Go to Titus chapter number two. Titus two and two. We're going to walk a little bit today. Are you all with me today? Thank you. Thank you. Stewardship over our bodies. Something that. If we all honest about it. We struggle sometimes to uh, to 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 capture that control that we need to have. Whether it's sexual, whether it's food, whether it's, you know, our emo- the emotional part of us, our bodies and how we, you know, let people get under our skin to the point where we say anything and end up ruining our testimony. Watch what the text says here. Paul, again, writing to one of his protégés in the ministry, Titus, he says what? Teach the older men to exercise what? Self-control. To be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with what? The older men, teach them, young Timothy, teach those old cats to to exercise self-control. Now, now, listen, listen, I, I just want every sister in this house just to nod at me. You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of y'all uh, growing up, you had an old man try to hit on you at church? Or maybe he it wasn't at church, but you went to church with him. Let me see. Let me see head nods. OK, I, I got a lot of heads nodding. Oh, man, get yourself together. Look at what he says here. Now, I'm trying to teach this because sometimes, you know, we sit up and we, we see things happening. And there are people to this day that are not whole emotionally because some man violated them. Through sexual abuse. And. Many times it was somebody who they knew. 
It was a friend of the family. It was an uncle. It was a deacon. Choir member preacher. On down the line and now that person is, is, is all discombobulated and, and can't really even think about God the right way because you, you violate them in such a way and, and, and there was never any resolve given to that and there was never anything dealt with the right way because we got to shh, keep it quiet. Don't want them to hurt the family. I'm telling you guys, we got to deal with some stuff that's, that needs to be unearthed so that we can get freedom for everybody in this place. And I'm going to tell you something. God is a God who forgives, but we, we got to quit sweeping stuff on the rug and start being honest about what's happening in culture and society and even in our families. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Keep reading. Let's go. It says, similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. Just because you're an older lady don't mean that you that you that you oh that she's a mother of the church. She's a cussing mother. All right. She, she's a gossiping mother. We sometimes think that the, oh the mother of the church, oh the sweet old lady. And get them home. I'm telling you what I know. I'm not telling you what I'm what I'm thinking. I'm telling you what I know. Everybody just because you, you can be you can be saved and grow old and never grow up spiritually. Okay, I'm trying to help somebody. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Let me say it again. They must not slander others talking about people running their names down in the dirt They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is what? Good. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Verse number four. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. I am convinced that a lot of divorce and a lot of dysfunctionality in families today stem from the fact that we got away from teaching righteousness in the home. We got, a, we got away from modeling what it means to be a husband who loves his wife unconditionally and what it means to, a, to be a wife who reverences and respects her husband. And then we sit back there and we think that our children are not noticing this stuff and they're not taking it in. Yes, they are taking it in. Your dysfunctionality is killing your children. That's why it's important for us to live this life in a way that's pleasing to God when we're in our homes. Okay, because you, 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 you think, well, it, 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 they're not paying attention. Yeah, they are paying attention. And it's messing some of our kids up. There are adults who, are in, who have dysfunctional mindset because of what they saw growing up. Now, again, listen, once you, once you become of age, it's, it's, it's important for you to grow and develop your spiritual walk. And even when you had those type things, learning how to become emotionally healthy. Walk in emotional, healthy spirituality. Learn how to have emotionally healthy relationships. Those who are in our discipleship training, you know we went through those courses. The class that dealt tells you how to deal with that emotional hurt that you had from childhood you've still been carrying all these years. 
I hope y'all listening to me today. Since these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. Let's keep reading. Watch this. To live wisely and be pure. To work in their homes. To do good. And to be submissive to their husband. I am not taking it out of the scripture. It's right there. That's not a bad thing, guys. Be, to be... I got two... Listen... Can we read it? I didn't make it up. It's in there. To live wisely and to be pure. And husband, that don't mean you, when you got some dumb, silly decision that you made without praying about it, you're going to do it. Well, you got to be submissive to them. No, that's dumb and that's ungodly. Yes, I said dumb. Because I've made some dumb decisions before without seeking wise counsel from the Lord or my spouse. If I'm in connectivity with my spouse and the two become one flesh, why would I make a major decision without consulting her? Everybody said that's kind of dumb. I'm the man. Yeah, you're a dumb man. Yeah, I said it that way. I said it that way because I want you to understand me. <laughs> and there will be times, hear me carefully, there will be times like in the Garden of Eden where you, husband, you, man, stay with what God said and not with what your wife said. Do you not know in the Garden of Eden, really accountability was on Adam and not necessarily Eve because Adam was given the command and, and, and Adam knew better. But so his wife wouldn't pout. Can I put a little doleology on it? I'm just put, putting my spiritual imagination into play so I, so I can help some brothers here. Because your wife is going to pout because your wife is going to say no sex for a month because I'm mad at you. Because your wife is going to say, you know what? I tell you what, next time you want me to fix dinner for the family, I ain't doing this because you won't do this. Quit manipulating your husband, wife. Oh, I know I wouldn't get too many claps on that. But some of y'all are master manipulators. Oh, I don't, guys, I, I, I didn't really mean to come with this pastoral bent today. But, but, but I just want to talk to you like I love you. And y'all know I'm telling the truth, right? So what I want us as believers to do is to get our minds focused on the right things and do life God's way. Quit making excuses for why you're sinning and why you're doing things unlike God wants you to do it. And all of us do it. We make excuses as to why. Well, I wouldn't have did that, Pastor, if she had to did that. What does that got to do with you doing what's right? The Bible says, husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. That means Christ loved us unconditionally. His love didn't change because we did some mess up stuff. How many of y'all since you've been saved have messed up? Oh, gosh, my time is running. Watch this. To live wise and to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Next verse, let's read. It says what? In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. We need men mentoring young men, okay? And you yourselves must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect Watch this. He's, he's talking to spiritual leadership here. And you yourself must be an example to, to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. And that's what I want. I want to. I, I don't know if anybody else saying, but that's what I want to be. I want, I want everything that I do to reflect the integrity and the seriousness of my teaching. I don't want to teach you to tithe and then I'm, I don't tithe. And I'm not going to do that. 
I don't want to teach you to love your, your wife unconditionally. And, and I got conditions on how much I'm going to love my wife. I don't want to teach you to stop using profanity. And I'm, I'm, I'm cussing like a sailor. I don't want to teach you to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving, showing mercy. And I'm the meanest thing that ever walked this face of the earth. Let your teaching reflect the, let your, let your, let what you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Now, I would submit to you, uh, children of God, fellow Elizabethans who are in this place today, we got to get ourselves to, to a mindset that it's time for us to be, to be intentional about purveying this gospel truth out to a world that sorely needs to see, amen, God operating in our lives. All right, keep, keep reading. So, 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 uh, Verse seven says again, let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. So, you know, so look at the principles of Christian liberty. So Paul says all things are expedient. Uh, uh, in other words, uh, all things are not, you know, are lawful, but they're not expedient. In other words, everything that you may could do is not necessarily good to do. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me? Go back to first Corinthians the sixth chapter right quick. Glory to God. So here's the, we have liberty as Christians. I say liberty. God, God gave us, God made us free moral agents. He did not make us robots. So that means that you and I have been given the freedom of choice as it relates to a wide variety of issues. Freedom of choice. But God tells us what to choose. I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings, Therefore, choose life. Isn't it amazing when God gives you an exam and gives you the answer to the test? So how silly would you be when the teacher gives you the answer, but you come up with a different answer than what he gave you? He's the one that made the test. I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursing, therefore choose life. And what God does, he sets life before you. The, 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 this word that we, that we study is a life-giving word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. So, so principle of Christian living. First thing is do only the expedient. Do only that, that which is helpful, that's worthwhile, that's advisable, that's profitable. Get back to 1 Corinthians 6, 12, the 8 part at 12th verse. Okay? Y'all still tracking with me today? Stewards over our body. How, how good of a steward have you been over your body? I will, I will admit to you that I have not been as good of a steward as I need to be since I've been saved. And I will, I will submit that you have not been as good a steward as you could be since you've been saved. Whether, whether it's food, whether it's attitude, whether it's uh, what you do with your body sexually, uh, on down the line. I need y'all to think today. I'm, this, this is a thinking man sermon. If all you want me, if all you want to do is come and holler and run and go out to church, this ain't for, this sermon is not for you. I need you to think today, because God is wanting to transform us. Okay, watch what it says. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So do only the things that are expedient in our Christian liberty. And do nothing that enslaves us. How can you tell that something is enslaving you? Well, 
If you have the feeling that I can't do without it, there's a good chance that thing is enslaving you. If you're doing something that you know is harmful to you or for you, or it is not in God's line or his will for you, but you can't seem to in yourself stop doing it, then you're probably enslaved to that thing. Okay? Uh, do you not realize that, that and I, I shared this with you guys before, uh, studies uh, tell us that well over 70% of Christian men are hooked on pornography. Not just the young ones. Older men too. Y'all know what pornography is, right? It's easily accessible now via the internet. And surveys tell us that young boys are typically exposed to pornography as young as eight to nine years of age. So parents, let me tell you something. While you're sitting there and letting them do whatever they want to do in their room, you better go check on them. Because they may seem like a nice little sweet boy, nice little sweet girl, but then they're, 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 they're hiding some stuff that they're enslaved to that you need to make sure that you help them walk through it. Amen? Notice what I said. Over 70% of Christian men admitted in an anonymous survey to having viewed pornography within the last three months when the survey was done. So that means that there's some enslavement going on in the church. Are you with me? Next thing, look at, look at point number two on this. We talk about uh, God's case against the indulgence of the human body. We got to make sure that we, that we don't indulge. We don't uh, jump into something that's, that, um, that is not r- right for us to be doing. And, and we, we step into that thing. The body is not designed for desires and urges. Now watch what I, watch this. Look, look at verse 13 and 14 of this sixth chapter. It says, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. Now again, think about this for a second. What he's, what he's doing now is, because these people that came out of the culture, now they're in the church, so now they begin to, to parrot or to say what the culture is saying. I told y'all before that, that the culture and Satan, Satan wants to get the church to say sin is righteousness and righteousness is sin. So, so now... They, they were saying what the culture and society was saying. Said, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. How many of y'all know when we get a glorified body, we're not going to need a stomach? Some of y'all say, oh, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I know I'll be skinny then. Glorified body, you don't have to worry about that stuff, okay? Says, this is true, though someday God will do away with both of them, but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord does what? They were made for the Lord and the Lord does what? He cares about our bodies. Let's read verse 14. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he's raised our Lord from the dead. How many of y'all know there's a resurrection that's going to take place? And for all of y'all who lost loved ones, let me tell you something. I know grief is hard. I know you're going through things. But the good part about it is this Bible verse here is true. And it's all throughout scripture that the dead in Christ are going to rise one day. Those who've gone on before you, you will have a reunion with them. I know it's still tough. But just let that thought resonate 
and settle in your spirit. And when you, the more you let it settle in your spirit, let it get down in your heart, the more it begin to heal your heart. Because you know and you'll understand that death is not the end of the story. Glory be to God. I am thankful that there's going to be a reunion one day. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord from the dead. So, so what he says right here is um, the body is not designed for desires and urges. In other words, it's, it's kind of like this. How many of y'all have heard this statement? Eat to live, but don't live to eat. Have y'all heard that before? Eat to live, but don't live to eat. Because when you live just to eat, then you end up in overindulgence. How do I know that? Because I, I know I, I, I've been there. And some of y'all have too. All right. It's, and we don't think about, we, don't, we think gluttony is not as bad as sin as some of the other stuff that we could do. We're like, oh, after all, I just got full till my stomach hurt. Don't, don't eat till your stomach hurts. The Bible does say gluttony is a sin, right? That's not wrong to eat, though. Just don't, just don't live to eat, eat to live. Okay? In other words, be, be mindful of what we put in our body. And, I, and again, all of us, how many of y'all will say, Pastor, I feel you. I, I got to get better at that. Okay? And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised the Lord from the dead. He, he says, so not, not for the stomach that is food, not for sex that is gratification, but for the Lord. The body's destiny. We are to be resurrected. Go to Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Come on. Come on. The body's not designed for desires. And urges. Now, we have desires. We have urges. God gave them to them. But he also gave us parameters and boundaries by which we are to operate. And I, I guess I don't have time to cover all this today. We'll pick back up on next week with our bodies because this is very important. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that society is telling us that, that is right as it relates to sexuality. That we got to make sure that we as a body of believers understand how to approach those subjects and, and, and to the point to where we, we can show the love of God, but stand on the truth of God's word. In other words, society is saying this is right, but God's word says this is right. So which one should I as a Christian go toward? Should I go toward what society says or should I go what God's word says? Well, obviously, if God's word is the preeminent thing in our life, then we, we got to decide... I, God's word is more true than what society is telling me is true. But while I'm dealing with society, I got to still show the love of God and not be indignant when I'm trying to talk to somebody about my faith walk. Because how am I going to reach you if everything I say is offends you? Now, I'm not going to not say truth because you get mad at truth. But it's the way I say a thing can determine whether or not you will listen to me and hear me out. I can't, I can't make the Bible be your standard of truth. That's something that you got to submit to. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we'll let the Bible be our guide for how we, how we approach life. Watch this, guys, and, I, and I'm coming to a close here. Says, but Paul is right. He says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our what? We are eagerly waiting. How many of y'all are eagerly waiting for him to return as your savior? If you are eagerly waiting for him to return as your savior, that eagerness or that sense of anticipation will guide your life. You can't say you're waiting on him to come and live in life the way you want to live it. 
Paul said another, in another case, that hope that's in you will govern your lifestyle. If I seriously thought that Jesus would come back at any moment, don't you think that will help me to, 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 to regulate and modulate what I'm doing here on this earth? If I thought Jesus was coming the next five minutes? Yes, it would. But the, the truth of the matter is, many people read this, but they don't really believe it. They think it's fairy tale. They think, well, oh, that's just, that's just some, some, some scripture. I can't really see Jesus coming back for his church. But he's coming. He's coming. He promised that he would. He's coming. I'm not going to say he's on his way because when he comes, he's quicker than quick. Are y'all with me? It, when, it, when, it, when it's time to come, it ain't going to take him long. It's going to be in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So, guys, if I truly believe that he's coming and he could come at any moment, it will guide how I do life. Look at verse 21. Come on, let's watch, watch this. He will what? He will take our weak mortal bodies, watch this, and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Using what? The same power with which he will bring everything under his control. So, when we are changed, we will be under control of the Holy Spirit. Now, while we're here on this earth, we have to make the decision, the choice to operate under the rulership of God and his word and allow the Holy Spirit to have his perfecting work in our life. Because our bodies don't belong to us. They belong to God. And I will pick up on next week as we unpack what was happening in the church at Corinth as we deal with some of the sexual immorality that had become pervasive in the church so much so that the church was not saying anything about it. And I will submit to you that many times in the church today, we kind of just slide by it and we don't say anything because I don't want to hurt anybody's feeling. Listen, I don't care if it's you, me or anybody else. The Bible is true. The word is true. If it hits us, it hits us. And we got to make sure that we're not sugarcoating God's word. Speak the truth in love. Season it with salt. But don't, don't, don't remove yourself from the standard of truth. Because society is trying to get you as a believer to say what they're saying is right. And what they're saying is not right. Based on God's word. So we'll unpack some more of that. And we'll talk about on next week. How do you deal with sexual temptation? What's your strategy for not indulging? How do you talk to someone who believes that same-sex attraction is okay? How do you as a believer address that issue? And how do we as a church address that issue? We're going to do it with spirit of love, but we're going to speak truth. But we're going to, I want you to be empowered to be able to to, 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 to handle these things in a God-honoring way. Amen? So come back next week, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the body and, the, and sexual immorality, because there's a lot that Paul unpacks here as he deals with the Corinthian church. And I want us to be knowledgeable. I want us to understand. I want us to be empowered to be able to, to address this issue.